may be seated today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's good to see all of you in 930 service. Y'all might start liking 930. Amen. Hallelujah. You get to leave early. Hallelujah. Enjoy the rest of your day. Can y'all take me with y'all? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to stay for the second one too. But God is alive and well. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Smile with your neighbor. Smile with your neighbor. Tell them it's good to see you again in church. Amen. Some people just came in. We want to make sure everybody feels welcome. If you have your Bible, grab hold of it. We're going to go to the word of the Lord today. We're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to read from chapter 15, verse number 1. And um, I'm going to take my time and talk this morning. Is that all right? Yes, all the children at this time, they can go to the back in the nursery. is now open, I believe, even though a lot of the nursery people are uh, part of the dance. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Sister Sherry said, can I teach the nursery with this paint on because it's going to take too long to get it off to go out there. I said, if you really want to give the kids an experience, you might want to. Amen. Hallelujah. But um, God is good. Amen. Y'all quiet 930. Y'all still sleep? Only Barnabas awake. The rest of y'all, where y'all at? Hallelujah. It's too early for some of you? Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. Uh, I, I, I heard a story, and, um, and uh, there seems to be some truth to this, that uh, some of the bones from one of Buddha's fingers were sent as a gift to an emperor in China in the year of 1981. And the finding of this finger was such a, a, a sensation to the Buddhists everywhere. And, uh, you know, the bones are now visited by many Buddhists. They, you know, people travel all over the world to see the finger of the Buddha. Amen. If someone had found the finger of Jesus, <laughs> if someone had found the finger of Jesus Christ, that would be the end of our religion. That's the beginning of some of theirs when they find a body. But I'm here to tell you that they will never find the finger of Jesus. Come on, talk to me in here today. You know, as I think about this world and I think about, you know, death is a real thing. In 1997, uh, my father, who was a dear man, wonderful man, I woke up around maybe, what, 2 o'clock in the morning, and my father was walking around the house, and he said, son, could you come and rub my shoulders? And uh, I began to rub his shoulders, and, um, you know, he was a teacher also, uh, apart from pastoring here, he was a teacher as well. And so he had to get up in the morning to go to work, and um, it says 2 o'clock in the morning, and, uh, and I'm like, this man is not, you know, he's not feeling well. And um, he said, something's wrong with my back. He starts saying, rub my shoulders on the left side. And he's walking around the entire house all night. And, um, and then he comes down to my, my, my other brother. It was around 4 in the morning at that time. And he goes to my brother and tell him, you know, I got two hours to make a decision. And we, you know, my brother thought he was trying to decide if he's going to go to work that day. Because he usually woke up at 6, 6 a.m. My brother, like, it's 4 o'clock, man. Just stay home. It's one day. And uh, two hours later, when my mother got up and she left the room and he was alone, she heard bang and he fell and died. 
And uh, my sister came into my room screaming, and she said, something's wrong with Dad. I went into the other room, and my brother was trying to give him CPR, and I watched as my dad, who was 47 years old, passed away. And I remember they took, took him to the hospital, and I stood at the foot of the hospital bed, and I remember in the mind of a 17, 18-year-old that everything inside of me, I, I, I held his feet, his dead body, and I said, God, and I guess I had a Job moment because Job asked this question. Job said in the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 14, shall any man who die ever live again? And death is a real thing. And oftentimes we want the sensation of this day, but we miss what's really happening here. That the claim that somebody has come back to life and death is a real thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Death has been uh, beating a lot of people up. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying in this place? I look at all the great people that have existed in history, people that we looked up to, you know, people in the field of music, Mozart that, you know, wrote all these crazy symphonies that just amazing stuff. And, and, and if you don't like classical music, you could look in, you know, if you're from the Caribbean, you love reggae music. We had one of the greatest musicians of all time, Mr. Bob Marley and... But you know what? Death visited them and knocked them all out. I couldn't believe it. Yesterday, I I, the other day, I turned to my wife and I said to her, I said, Michael Jackson is dead. It, it, like, it just dawned on me. Mike is gone. Like, <laughs> y'all sound more sad about Mike's death than Jesus. <laughs> but as good as Mike was, death took him. You know, you got Einstein who... You know, did so much in the field of science, but couldn't find any theory to overcome death. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I could go on down throughout history. I, you know, people after people that we've looked up to in the Roman Empire, in the Greek Empire, from, from you know, from Africa to India to, to China, all the great empires that have ever existed and all the great men and the great things they've ever done. There's one thing they can't beat. So when death come knocking the other day, I saw a meme <laughs> that made me laugh. You know, everybody believes in the Grim Reaper, right? The, the, the symbol of death. And the meme simply said, the Grim Reaper was standing next to somebody who apparently had been complaining and said, I hate Mondays and I hate my life. Oh, why don't you just kill me? And the Grim Reaper was standing there saying, well, I'm here. I need to see the same energy. <laughs> when death comes knocking, there's problems, amen? And everybody will eventually face the sting of death. And let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. As good as Father Abraham was and faithful as he was and full of faith, Abraham died. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And as dreaming as Brother Joseph was, and dreaming that he was going to be great and God was going to bring him, you know, and all his brothers would bow before him, as dreaming as he was and as much as he accomplished, Feeding all the people with grain and all this wisdom, Joseph died. Oh, King David, as powerful as he was, powerful man, the king died. And I could go down the list. Samson, as strong as he was, died. I could go on and I could tell you about Daniel, who walked into a lion's den, but guess what? Died. And death just kept knocking everybody out 
people after people in the Bible up until he ran into Jesus. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me in this place. And, uh, you know, death said, let me get a shot at him. And uh, the grave took Jesus, but it wasn't too long after that he rose from the dead. He's alive today, people. And the significance of this is very important. Uh, we've been talking about game-changing moments, and this moment changes humanity forever. Because this moment, what this moment is saying that because he's alive, everything that he has ever said is the truth. And I want to take you to Paul who, at the time Paul is writing this, he's confronting a problem that is occurring in the Corinthian church. And what is occurring here is that people want a religion without the supernatural. And it seems like the people said, they have begun to say, there is no possible way that any man can rise from the dead. I want you to know I'm so glad that Jesus was risen. Because if I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, there's, there's a lot of people that I want to see. I'm No doubt I want to talk with Paul. No doubt I want to see who this David was. No doubt I want to see all these great people that I've read and studied about. On the top of my list is Jesus the Christ. I want to meet him. But second on my list is my father. And if Jesus didn't rise again, that hope, oh, come on. We love to say it at funerals. I'm going to see such and such again, R.I.P., you know, rest in peace and sleep well, gone too soon, gone, all types of stuff that we say to comfort ourselves. If this moment did not happen, there is not a single other religion that guarantees you an afterlife. That guarantees a resurrection from the dead. This is what, y'all hear what I'm saying in here? Y'all with me so far? And so you see this in cultures. You see the Norsemen, the, 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 you know, with the Valhalla who believe that hopefully there's some type of afterlife. You saw it in the, the Egyptian pyramids. They built these elaborate pyramids that were big. Those are tombs. And inside them they would put all the jewelry and all the stuff that they believe that when the people came back to life in the afterlife, they're going to need this jewelry. And somebody, after a while, got wind that those, the jewelry was still there. And then you got a bunch of grave robbers that say, well, he ain't come back for it yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Native Americans had the same thing in their culture where they would, you know, all these big architectural structures that you see, they're tombs. The Taj Mahal in India is one big tomb that my man built for his wife. He must, she must have been some woman. Elvis, everybody want to go see, you know, I, I'm in the process of trying to, 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 to purchase a home, right? And uh, I went to visit one that I, was a possibility. When I went in there, I walked around the house, and it didn't take me long to know that the man that lived there, he thought he was Elvis. <laughs> Yeah, pictures of everything Elvis. And when I looked at him, I said, my man really is Elvis. And people pay money to fly to Graceland to see Elvis. Where he's buried. You know, at one point, they had to dig up and check the, the, the casket to make sure. They dug up uh, 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 President Lincoln to make sure that his bones was actually in the casket. And people spend millions and millions of dollars tourist-wise to go see tombs. Y'all ever thought about that? 
And people spend millions of dollars to go see another tomb. But this one ain't got nobody in there. Oh, God. They spent a lot of money to fly to Israel to see an empty tomb. But I want you to know today, and you're going to see when we begin to read scriptures, that our religion is not based on an empty tomb. That's, 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 that's too much, that's too weak just to say we know he's alive because a tomb is empty. Come on, man. That's too weak. You just can't tell me something happened because something's missing. I can simply say it was stolen. And that's not what the Bible is claiming. The Bible is not saying to you, believe on the Lord Jesus' resurrection only because there's an empty tomb. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so the problem that begun to happen in this early church is there's always skeptics. There's always people. And I want you to know that when Jesus rose from the dead, this just wasn't no quiet thing. And you're going to see when we read in Luke's gospel just now that the whole town knew Jesus was crucified. The whole town know that there was a body missing. But what the Bible also claims further, something else. I want you to see this today. And so the Corinthian church, they're saying there is no resurrection of the dead. And if we go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number, let's read from verse number 12. And let me tell you what's happening from 1 to 12. Paul begins to say this. He says, never once does he use the argument that Jesus is alive because there's an empty tomb. If you read from... <laughs> Let's read from verse 1. It's Resurrection Sunday. We can read the Bible. Amen. Come on. Y'all with me today? Y'all with me today? Paul begins to address this thing like only the philosophical genius that he was. You know, Paul had the equivalent of two PhDs by the time he was age 21. That, that's a lot of PhDs. Come on. Come on. Y'all act like y'all got four PhDs right now. Y'all looking at me like, so that don't even impress me. 20 was so what? <laughs> this was a genius. And you see that he's capable of arguing in ways that only Paul could do it. So Paul begins to confront this problem. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached. I didn't preach any different gospel. There's one gospel that I preached, which you received and which you have taken your stand. Let's go on. By this gospel, you are saved. If there's any other gospel different from this one, there is no salvation. Do you all follow that? He said, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Right? For what I received, I passed on to you on the, uh, as of first importance. That Christ, number one, guess what? He died for our sins according to scriptures. Do y'all follow that? And go on. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. Do y'all follow that? And he says, and he, and he appeared to Cephas, who's Peter, and then the 12, right? And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Now, let me tell you what History Channel tried to tell you. I saw a documentary on this one time, and they said, because you see what Paul is saying here. He sets out his argument. No one time does he say, guys, if you don't believe what I'm preaching, go look and see the empty tomb. He says, guys, 
Besides, if you don't believe me, Peter's still alive. Go and ask him if he didn't see a living Jesus. Come on, talk to me. The proof is not an empty tomb. The proof is a living Jesus that came back and fellowshiped with them. He said, and if you don't believe Cephas, Acts the 11. He said, if you don't believe the 11 because you feel it's a conspiracy, at one time, the same Jesus appeared to 500 men. And this is not in the past. He's writing currently to tell them, you can go check it right now. He says, look, look, he says, 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still what? So y'all don't got to take my word for it. Go ask around Jerusalem about Jesus and see. And here's the thing that annoys me. Modern day Christians got the nerve to always paint or modern day people, modern day society got the nerve to always paint first century people like they were superstitious or just believed anything. And these people were mythical and would make up anything as though we don't have horoscopes on our front page. As though we don't live in the era where they're trying to find out about all of those ancient religions and study and practice them more than they did then. We are more mythical than they were. These people were intelligent people. This was a double PhD holding man by 21. If anybody I could probably trust that that would question something was this man. Because prior to this, you know what he did? He murdered Christians. His job was to kill if you believe that resurrection stuff. How do you go from murdering to believing? Oh, oh, this is what he said. He said 500 that Jesus appeared to. Come on, talk to me today. He said, the History Channel had a documentary one time. This is what they said. They said that it is possible, it is possible that what those 500 men seen was a hallucination. They were all having... Now, 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 me and my little, you know what I'm saying, Jamaica Queens mind, the closest I've ever gotten to brothers who hallucinate is brothers who smoke weed with a little extra. <laughs> That's true. Y- y- y'all know what I'm talking about? Here, here's the thing about, here's the, here's, here's the thing. If you're going to claim that, that is a bigger miracle. Because the possibility of you and me hallucinating the same thing the possibility of me, Steve, and Denzel getting together, that, amen, and hallucinating and saying, why did I put the weed in there? Now you just kind of get a sense of something different now. The possibility of us seeing the three of us seeing the same thing, it's crazy. The possibility of ten people saying you are an hallucination of all our minds somehow hallucinating the same thing, it's impossible. That is an even greater miracle. And that's what they tell you. Paul said, don't take my word for it. Go ask them. So he's he's saying this. And he said, this is the part I like about Paul. And he said, he goes in verse number seven. Look at this. Look at this. He said, then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And look at this part. And last of all, I'm preaching this stuff because I seen them myself. He appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. And what he means by that is I wasn't, I didn't roll with him when he was alive. All those guys are supposed to be apostles. 
I, was, I became an apostle abnormally. I was on the road to Damascus about to kill anybody who said he was alive. And on that road he came. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, somebody. Let's jump ahead. So, so, so he appeals to all of that, and then he goes into his argument. Look at Paul does. So you see, when somebody says something that annoys you, there's a way of arguing, right? There's, there's a lot of ways. There's actually classes on logic that teaches you how to argue rightly. And so there's a way in arguing when you don't agree with what somebody say, you attack the person. That's fallacious arguing, right? That's a fallacy. And so, so I don't like what you're saying. Instead of me addressing what you're saying, I attack you. And that's what the news media does a lot of times. That's why our country's so messed up. Because we could never hear what anybody's saying because all we are ever told about is the person's character. And so, yes, you might have a messed up character, but it doesn't mean that what you might be saying at the moment might not bear some truth. Do, do y'all follow what I'm saying? And oftentimes we argue like this. Somebody come and tell you something you don't like. Why should I listen to you? You know who you are? <laughs> oh, come on. I could preach a whole nother sermon right there. Some of us don't want to be corrected just because... So, so, so that is one way of arguing. And Paul could have simply write and said, y'all crazy Corinthians. You see, this is why I don't want to come preach to y'all because y'all don't listen. Y'all are messed up people, came from a messed up background, and now y'all want to bring your messed up traditions into church. He didn't do that. He geniusly begun to put himself in the shoes of the position that they're arguing from to say, let's follow the logic of your argument. Let's say... That there is no resurrection. Let's see what the implications of that would equal. And he begins to talk in verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. Hallelujah. He says this. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Let's follow the argument. Look what he does. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then that would mean that not even Christ had been raised. If there's no ever anybody coming back to life, if we logically follow that belief that there is, this is it, this is all there is, then we can't even preach Christ anymore. Go on. He says, this, and if Christ has not been raised, then what's the point of us even preaching? It is useless. Not only is the message that we preach, I've been preaching. Paul is saying this to me, that all your teenage years, Pastor Rich, that you've run around and preached, all them songs you've written about, all them stories you told, all those times you spent preparing a sermon, every time you stopped at the job and prayed with somebody, every time you stopped and said, hey, God is going to work it out, it's useless. If Christ had not been raised, every conversation about God is in vain. Y'all follow this? He says, not only is the preaching in vain, but your personal believing in him is in vain. All that believing for healing don't make no sense. All that believing for a better tomorrow don't make no sense. Because if there is no resurrection from the dead, there is no tomorrow. This is it. Let's follow that if there's no resurrection from the dead he goes on and he says this he says and if Christ uh, go on go on verse 15 more than that we are then found to be false witnesses about God in other words 
and he's talking in context about himself. He said, all it is that I'm doing, I'm just a big liar. Everything Peter's going through, Peter was crucified upside down for no reason. Crucified upside down for lies. John was exiled on Patmos. Never was allowed back in society. Why? For a lie. Do y'all follow this this morning? And so he goes on and he says, we are false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. And he continues to follow this. Go on, go on, go on. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still Here's the biggest implication. If Jesus never came back from the dead, not only is all those things that I just said true, but here's this fact. You, if you've ever told a lie, you're a liar. If you've ever fornicated, you're a fornicator. If you've ever stolen, you're a thief. If you've ever prostituted, you're a, y'all hear what I'm saying in this? If you've ever committed adultery, you're an adulterer. Everything that you have ever committed, you are that. That is who you are. There is no second chance. You hear all the stuff we say in church? Well, thank God for second chances. Some preachers say, and third, and fourth, and fifth. Hallelujah. If Christ was not raised, there's no second chance. You are what you are, brother. And I could walk around and tell you to your face that you are that. And you cannot look back at me with your Christian, say, that might have been my past, but thank God for the blood. What blood? Nothing washes away anything. You are guilty of that. You deserve whatever punishment comes your way. No second chances for whatever you've done. If Christ had not been raised you are still in your sins. Now, some of you are quiet today, but right there, I just feel a, a, a moment of saying, thank you, God. Because, because unlike you, I've got a past. Thank God. Hallelujah. Unlike you, I am not my past. For one reason only. He got up. Oh, come on. For one reason only, I am not. Because he got up out of the grave. And if Christ had not been raised, you are still in your sins. Look, he goes on. He's still following the argument. Then also, also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Everybody who's ever died. That's it. Let me show you the implications of that. Because you're reading that. You're like, oh, I'm Bible people. Who care if they did? I would never see my father again. That when he died and I, and he died and I went into the room thinking that my father might have think I'm a failure because we had a damaged relationship. At no point will I ever have a chance. That, that this is it. That everybody that you've ever missed in your life that have fallen asleep. If he didn't get up, you will. That's it. When you go to the next funeral, say your. That's it. But I'm so glad. Hallelujah. He said, he said, all those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Do y'all see what Paul is saying here? If we get rid of, oh, come on. And then verse, verse 19, let's go on. Let's go on for time. Let's go on and speed through this. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, oh, listen to this. He said, if the only hope we have in Christ is in this life, we are the most pitiful people. 
Y'all understand what I'm saying? The, the, the most sorry people that live are Christians because they believe in a lie to give them hope in a life that he cannot give them hope in and neither in a life to come. Do you follow that? Go on, verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And ladies and gentlemen, that first fruits mean that if he's the first, there's going to be a second resurrection. You see, you see, let me tell you something. This is why we get excited on this day. Because death has been defeated today. Oh gosh. And hope has been restored today. Today I can say I have a second chance. Today I can say that I can wake up tomorrow and be excited. Why? For one reason. He got up. Hallelujah. I can love different tomorrow. I can change. I, oh, come on somebody in here. I can, I can let go of my past. I can look to the future with hope. For one reason. He got up. I can go to a funeral. I can feel the sting of death but I don't have to lose my mind because I know I can see my loved ones again for one reason he got up he's not saying go see an empty tomb and that's the proof that's too weak for us to base it on he's saying I seen this man myself I seen him with my own eyes that's why he can boldly say but Christ has indeed been risen. First fruits to dog. Let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. I want to jump to another scripture. Y'all with me this morning? Oh God, this is good. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. You know why God had to, you know why death couldn't hold him? <laughs> oh God. Y'all ready for some theology? You know why death couldn't hold him? Y'all know why death couldn't hold him? Y'all with me this morning? Huh, huh, huh. Y'all got your coffee, amen? Hallelujah, 930 is what it feels like in 930. You're like, oh, I'm trying to hear you, Pastor. I'm trying, I'm trying to be with you. I'm trying to be with you. Hallelujah. Go to bed early if you're going to come to 930. Hallelujah. But let me, let me help you a little bit. Let me help you a little bit. You know, you know why death couldn't hold Jesus? Do you know why death exists in the first place? Death, oh gosh, this is going to take another series. Death is actually a blessing. When man sinned in the garden and fell in sin and man lost his mind and men became murderers, the very day, the two brothers that were born in the first family killed one another. There was four people on the earth and 25% was wiped off by chapter 4. Man don't waste no time. God was ready to destroy the earth by chapter 6. Do y'all have your Bible? Turn to chapter 6 when you go home today and you will see, and God repented that he made man. <laughs> but let me tell you why death is a blessing. Because when man fell in that garden, there was another tree in there. And that tree, if you ate from it, you would live eternally. And God said, put the man out of garden, not because he was just mad, oh, he just disobeyed me, can't have my garden anymore. That's not why. He said, lest he eat from the other tree, and forever he remains in a sinful state. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live forever knowing. And the Bible says, 
Death exists because it is the wages of sin. Wages is what you get paid for what you have done. And whenever a man sinned, that man must die. And so any person that has ever sinned will die. Here comes Jesus, a man who has never sinned. Who And he said, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, what was happening, if you were here Friday night, you would have understand about the atonement, the sins of, why did Jesus die? It was not for his own sin. The death that he died when Christians say is your death is not just nice rhetoric. It is literally your death. Because he's not dying for any wages that he is deserving of. All the sins of the world was transferred to him. Oh my gosh. On that cross. And he died. But when he went to the grave, death knew, I can't hold this man. Because he never sinned. I got no claims over him. Come on, somebody ought to rejoice in this place. I got, God the Father said... I got nothing. All I needed to do was get the wrath off. He got to come out. And that's why on the third day, he arose. Let me tell you, that ain't Buddha. Y'all can go visit his finger. That ain't Muhammad. They got him in a rock somewhere. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't none of these people. That is Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Look, 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 look what he says. For since death came through a man, the resurrection comes through another man. We all die because of Adam, but we all live because of Jesus. Go on, go on, go on, go on. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all, all will, will be made alive. Come on, let's go on, let's go on. Time, time, 9.30. People got to get out of here. Amen. And they're not taking me with them. They're going to go eating all of that stuff. Hallelujah. And then sit back and then. Stay focused, Pastor. But, but each in turn, Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Does anybody here belong to Jesus? Yes, oh, come on. Christians don't die. We multiply. Oh, come on. Talk to me in here. We don't die. We live forevermore. Come on. Turn to somebody and say, we're going to live forever. Come on. Say that like you mean that. We're going to live forever. Come on. I'm going to live forever. Somebody said in, in one of, you know, I'm a Christian rapper. One of my friends said, he said, when you come to my funeral, don't, don't, don't cry. Throw rice. Because I'm going to a better place. Hallelujah. Amen. Go on, go on. All who belong to him. Then the end will come when, the, when he hands over the, king, the, the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Go on. For we must reign until he has put all his enemies under his Go on, go on. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Come on, come on, go on. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under his feet, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. Go on, go on. And when he has done this, then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under his feet so that God may be in all in all. 
Go on, go on, go on. I want to jump. I want to Ah, time. Ah, oh, gosh, I can't. I, I, just jump to Luke. Jump to Luke. Y'all got to come to the later service, but you can't today because it's Easter and a lot of people coming. But go to, um, <laughs> go, go with me to the book of Luke. Go with me to the book of Luke. Go with me to the book of Luke. Chapter uh, 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 24, I believe it is. Verse number one. Verse number one. I want to go to that first day. That first day, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women, women, make some noise. <laughs> Sister Amanda walking around guarding the door like this today. Jesus got a feeling different today. Looking like 300 over there. I don't understand why she moving around like this. She's like, I dare one of y'all to try something in this residence. You're going to die and we're going to raise you up today. Amen. Women make some noise. Whoa! Amen. <laughs> Y'all wake now, 9.30? Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Go on. And they found the stone rolled away. And that stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could come out. It was rolled away so you could go in. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I want y'all to watch this. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in cloths that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Go on, go on, go on. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, look at this question. Why y'all looking for living? You, you, the, the proof is not the tomb. The proof is you're going to see him. Oh, gosh. Don't, don't come to a graveyard looking for life. Oh, that's a whole nother message right there. Because here's the problem. We have a resurrected Savior who can give life, but too many of us are looking for life among the dead. You are trying to find life in a club. It ain't there. You ain't going to find life among the dead. You are trying to find life in this culture. It is not there. You are trying to find life among the dead. Sometimes you meet people who say stuff like this. I like God and I like church. Well, you know, I don't like church people. I'd rather hang out with worldly people. They keep it more real. Really? You like living among the dead? Exactly. Zombies. This is a this is an excellent question. If you want life, why are you looking for life in dead things, in dead philosophies, in dead religion, in dead education, in dead political systems, in dead everything has failed you, in dead everything, dead economies, dead everything is dead. Death. There's only one thing that gives life, and that's Christ. You say, well, well, how does that apply to me? Do you know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh? Well, who's Jesus? Jesus is the Word. The only thing that gives life is this book. If you want life in your marriage, read the book. If you want life in your home, read the book. If you want to be successful and keep your mind stable, read the book. Why are you looking for life? People are all telling me what book they read. I got a book. You know, it's cool to read the Bible, but you got to read other books. I ain't got a problem with that. But when you're done reading that, come back to the book so you can correct everything that was in that book. Come on, talk to me in here. Our time wouldn't... Oh, gosh. Oh, give me four more minutes. 
So what begins to happen, he's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that he's going to suffer and be delivered over into the hands of sin and crucified on the third day and raised again? And then they go on and they remember his words. And watch this. They ran, and the first people that ever preached the, cru- the, the resurrection of Jesus was women. Now, let me tell you why that's messed up. Wow, I got a theologian over here. He, he got his own theory. Steve, you about to say it's because it's the women that messed us up in the first place. It's only right. They restore it, Eve. <laughs> now, let me, let me. Oh, gosh, this guy, there's got to be another series on the resurrection. Let me tell, let me tell you why this, this is all messed up here. Let me tell you why. Because the, the one person you would not want to give any believable information to in the first century to spread is a woman. Everything a woman said was discredited to the point where Paul said, when you come to church, ladies, shut your mouth and learn in silence. Go home and ask your husband. I do not permit a man to even teach over a woman. That's in the Bible. Y'all tied, them women tied up in here. Y'all mad. That's a whole nother issue. But the point I'm trying to make is that women weren't seen as credible witnesses. Why would, if you want to proclaim something that's true, you use something like that? Because God ain't concerned with the logics of men. (laughs) This is not a conspiracy theory. If it was a conspiracy, the men would have known better than to use the women to be the first proclaimers. They would say, we can't use women. They're going to say women. They They would have conspired better. But this is not conspiracy. These women showed up and saw that the Savior they came to anoint was gone. And they went back and they told the 11 for time's sake. I'll just tell y'all scripture. Y'all can read it at home. Eventually, two of them started walking. They headed to a town called Emmaus. Jesus comes and he causes them not to be able to recognize him. And he begins to talk and say, what are y'all talking about, fellas? One of them said, what do you mean what are you talking about? This is why I want you to know this was not something small in the first century. They said, what do you mean what are you talking about? He said, no, nah, what y'all, are y'all talking about, some, some fella? They said, bro, are you the only dude? That has visited Jerusalem and have not known what. In other words, they said, bro, this is on every news. Ch- everybody Facebook page, they up, everybody's status got a cross on it now. <laughs> you the only dude that don't know Jesus died. And now you will notice other news. We got these women saying that his body's gone. And we don't know where he's at. They begin to walk and talk. And the Bible says Jesus is walking with them. They don't recognize him because he did something to their eyes. And he begun to explain the scriptures from Genesis all the way up to there. And the Bible says they begun to burn in their hearts. And he said, when they got to Emmaus, he said, all right, I'll see y'all later. They said, please stay with us. Stay with us. And he sat down and he broke bread. And as he broke bread, their eyes were open. And they said, it's you. And he said, bye. I could tell you much more. I could tell you much more. The point is this. They didn't believe just in an empty tomb. The women just proclaimed as an empty tomb and said, hey, they told us he's risen, but that wasn't good enough. They needed to see a risen Savior. And the Bible is not asking you just to see an empty tomb. The Bible is making claims that a dead man walked out of the grave. Here's the final implication of this. You get to Revelation and the Bible says that all those 
that became his fruits will be ushered into heaven. But every liar, every, don't end it like that, Pastor, don't end it like that, will be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Christ is not leaving room for you to decide like the Corinthian church. We just want the religious teachings of Rabbi Jesus. He is saying the only way to get this is that you must believe that I am the resurrection and the life. I believe that with all my heart. Because there's another way I know he lives. He lives. Lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a round of applause today. Come on, somebody stand to your feet. Come on, just take a, a, a second or two to worship the risen Savior. Come on, come on. Hope is restored today. Hallelujah. This day is of great significance. This day is the, the cornerstone of our belief. Come on, talk to me in here. Talk to me in here. Come on, somebody raise your hands. You don't have to look for life among the dead raise your hands to Jesus right now and say father the same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead I ask that you would resurrect me right now whether it be a problem that you're facing whether it be your heart broken you might be suicidal today you might be depressed you might be thinking what what is there more for me in this life I want you to raise your hands. Come on, come on, somebody. And I want you to say to God, if you are the life giver, bring back to life those things that the enemy has killed and told me there's no way.